CPI Sports has always been a massive supporter of natural bodybuilding, so it only made sense for us and them to partner up. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by BPI Sports, and if you want to support them and us, use code NattyNewsDaily at checkout for some exclusive discounts off any of your orders. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, we are back with another episode of the Natty News Daily podcast. Again, Leroy is checked out because he is once again for the third week in a row and the third episode in a row, what, like two days out from his third show of the season? In deplete uh, mode. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, brain dead. Uh, so we, we don't want him on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so we'll be, we'll be taking over for a little bit. And we are joined by Dr. Nicholas Licamelli of team three DMJ. If you do not know where he is, uh, he's working with those guys over there as their team injury management. And I'm not going to say the word their team injury management specialist. So he helps all the injured athletes come through with consulting and things like that. So I'm going to turn it over to you a little bit of background on yourself. Yeah, thank you so much, first of all, for having me on the show. Um, you guys reached out, and it was an absolute honor uh, to be asked to come on and love everything you guys are doing. It's un really, really important for the sport, and uh, yeah, I, I think you guys are doing a great job, so it's an honor to be here and, and to uh, to kind of carry the torch a little bit here. Um, and best of luck to Leroy, man. He's slaying it out there. He yeah, is. we saw him last weekend. Yeah, just nasty. Yeah. And, and seeing it in person, too. I mean, you know this from being at shows. Like, in person, it's a whole different thing than the photos. Oh, it is. And, and listening to the crowd. Dan can say this. Like, we were sitting in the crowd taking photos. People were, like, laughing and, like, what the fuck is that? Like, every was... single time he turned to the rear. It was just, like, it wasn't just, like, the first time. It was every single time you hear, here, 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 behind me, behind me, every which yeah. way. There's Yeah. Yeah. Do you know and what? you knew exactly I, what they're reacting to. It was, that was crazy. Yeah, I um I judged the uh, Mister America um mm -hmm. in 2020 and 2021, and um Dan obviously I saw you there. Nice shot, man. I didn't know you. I didn't know you judged that show. Yeah, um, but anyway, so in 2020, uh, I know you guys recently had Jay Brew on here, and mm -hmm. that was the reaction, man. When he turned his back, like when he turned around, it was just like, what? Like, like, it just looked like he was just like, like literally shredded. Like it was just one of the leanest people I've ever seen in person at that 2020. Well, that's, America. I mean, you beat Siobhan. So that year. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I only saw photos, but I can't even imagine in person. Yeah. So, yeah Siobhan's thing, no, like... yeah, no, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough, uh, athlete to beat, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we could talk bodybuilding all day, but let me get to myself a little yeah. bit here. Um, so, uh, basically, yeah, I am the team, uh, injury, injury reduction management specialist, uh, with 3DMJ. Um, I'm a physical therapist as well as a natural bodybuilder, um, started, uh, lifting back in high school, probably like most of us did. And, um, what's, what's nice about my journey, uh, is that I've, I've kind of learned a lot from, from a lot of mistakes that I've made along the way in bodybuilding and physical therapy. And I think that's where this conversation is probably going to go to today. Um, but basically, um, started in the muscle magazines, bodybuilding.com. Uh, you know, I think most of us kind of went up through that way and very heavily in bro science and, and those days, maybe they didn't teach us the right, uh, principles, but they taught us how to, absorb information and then use our uh dedication uh and just 
willpower to just follow through on the things that we were learning, whether they were right or wrong. Um, so as I kind of progressed in my, my bodybuilding career, you start to want to find more evidence-based uh, resources, more so than the muscle magazines and the, the blog articles. And you feel like you're just kind of reading the same things over and over again and just kind of want a bit more, um, but didn't know where to go for that. And um, at the same point, I was also in physical therapy school. And uh, I find myself kind of going through the same process uh, where you taught things in school, you take them as set in stone and uh, don't really question much of it. And you just kind of start educating patients on, on different things and you feel like you have it all figured out. And then once again, you kind of get these more evidence-based resources and you have these existential crises that happen uh, in, in bodybuilding and physical therapy. And I think the main takeaway is that it teaches you not that we have it all figured out now, but it teaches us to always question. Um, because when you think you know something, uh, you, you could, it could be turned on its head and we have to always be open to, to new, uh, you know, to new, new information. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's yeah. a little bit about, about me and, um, started working with 3DMJ three years ago. I, uh, Andrea reached out to me. Uh, I was writing for Tony Genocore uh, at the time, and she reached out and asked if I'd like to guest write for them. And that was like a pinch me moment because I was a huge fan of 3DMJ. So I started writing for 3DMJ, and then they brought me on their team and uh, kind of completed the trifecta of um, they have our mental health specialist, Amanda, our um, nutritionist, uh, Steve, and now me with the physical side of it. So all three of us kind of all work together with the coaches to give the kind of full, full, uh, you know, full athlete care. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a model that I know we personally with ATP are trying to create, and I would hope to see other teams do because the more, you know, if you are in the evidence, right. And especially on the physical therapy side of things, but coming this way with the training side, we're realizing that it is a multifactorial approach that's best, right? You, I mean, anyone that's gone through a prep understands the stress, the psychological stress, the physical stress, all these things. I mean, we're putting our bodies to the extreme and they just say, we'll just keep losing weight and like keep training and you'll be fine. Like ignore everything else. Don't worry about it. Like that's not the way to go. So if we can bring in these professionals, like, and just support the entire process, that's, that's phenomenal. And I, yeah, you guys are kind of leading the way there for sure. Yeah. And I mean, 3DMJ, I mean, you, what you see is what you get. I mean, I don't, I didn't really know what to expect when you look behind the curtain, when I was kind of first brought on the team and, and had meetings and different uh, communications with everyone. And they are just as genuine and authentic as they seem. Uh, so uh, they are definitely are, are leading the charge there. And I know that they've impacted many, many people um, to kind of help uh, kind of get through that, um, those bro days and kind of give us a bit more of that evidence-based holistic perspective. So I know 3DMJ um, has done that for many people, including myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but you hit on something that I think is very relevant right now. And that's the idea that you said we need to, when it comes to the research and the evidence, we need to keep an open mind, right? I think very frequently right now, the individuals at the top, the individuals putting out the research are doing that very well. 
But as it trickles down, you're finding this kind of split and this divide where people are becoming so personally attached to their philosophy or their ideology that you can't question it without it now becoming personal, right? It's if I make a commentary on the style of training, I must be attacking that person and not questioning the evidence behind the training, right? Um, is that something that you see as well? Um, I, I know even you can even speak on, on the physical therapy side of things because that, I mean, our field is contentious as, as it can be right now. Whew, yeah. I mean, that's a huge topic there. Um, I think just like you said, once, once you take a concept and make it your identity, it becomes harder to let go. And we have to be able to let go. We can't hold on to anything too strongly. Um, I mean, we see it all the time with, uh, people who were the, the, uh, the X, Y, Z guy, or, um, or, or they, they make their identity on something they have, they have a book out on a certain technique, or they have some kind of their, their livelihood is based off of some kind of, some kind of concept or method, as opposed to the principles. Um, one of my favorite sayings is, um, uh, what is it? Methods are many principles are few. Methods change, principles never do, something like that. Um, yeah. But that's kind of what I always keep in mind is, is I never want to be too attached to anything like that. I always want to stick with the principles, whether it's physical therapy or bodybuilding and, um, and never kind of hold on too tightly to anything because I know that feeling of being let down <laughs> when I did like something or think something was great. And then you realize that it's, it's not quite the case. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a huge issue in in our ability to move forward as a profession in physical therapy and as, as bodybuilders, I think too many of us are, are breaking down that communication between one another. And it's almost like an anomaly when you see a, a, a professional exchange between people who disagree. Uh, and I, I love seeing a, a debate video or something that that's actually very productive and maybe they don't change their minds, but they see a different perspective. Um, that's what we need more of, uh, more of for the physical therapy field and for bodybuilding too. I agree with that. And it doesn't need to be hostile. Like James said, I think emotions can get tied into things. And it's like, at the end of the day, especially at the end of the day, like as bodybuilders, like, it's like, I bodybuild, you bodybuild, we do it slightly different ways. Who really cares? Like, I mean, yeah, we can just let's, let's discuss it. But like, you know, I have friends that apply different methods than I do. It's like, they apply different methods than I do. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And and I think sometimes we are afraid to, to get out of our comfort zone and kind of um, have those, have those conversations. So one mm -hmm. of the things that I find myself doing is I kind of get into echo chambers with like-minded physical therapists or like-minded bodybuilders. And I forget that that's a very small uh, little bubble of people. And then I'll see an ad on YouTube and I'm like, oh, that I forget that there's a whole world out there of people mm -hmm. that think a Theragun will help cure their back pain. Or there's a whole world <laughs> of people out there that think that this supplement will help boost their testosterone and sex drive and muscle mass. And, and it's just mm -hmm. kind of very humbling when you're watching like an episode of, I don't know, of this podcast or, or Iron Culture or 3DMJ or Barbell Medicine or Clinical Athlete. And, and you're so in that, that mode. And then you get an ad on YouTube like that, or, or, or scrolling through Instagram and see something that's just completely, um, 
outside of that little echo chamber. Uh, but I, I like mm -hmm. that because then it, it's, it's, it's a, um, it's an opportunity for me to practice that. I'll listen to a two hour podcast on someone that is completely believes the opposite of me. And mm -hmm. it'll kind of make me angry, not angry, but it'll kind of get my heart up, heart rate up a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I, I like to, I like to see what we have in common uh, first mm -hmm. uh, and, and kind of get, get, get the positives out of what they're saying. Maybe I can learn something too. maybe not change my perspective, maybe not uh, call them out and say that they're wrong, but just kind of get some common ground and then kind of use that as like a little bit of a, an exercise for myself. Um, so that's something that I've tried to do more often is, is lean into those other opinions and, and hear them out because sometimes it's so easy to get stuck in our little echo chambers and we think that everyone thinks the same as us. Uh, and that's easy, right? If we, if, if two people think the same thing, one of them is irrelevant is another saying I like to remember. Um, sure. So yeah, I think it's important to kind of get out of our, uh, out of our bubble sometimes and just entertain the other side. Yeah. And I think what, what can happen is like, you can understand, especially you understand your own context very well. You understand your circle's context pretty well, but there's a lot of context outside of that that might be quite different that you don't really fully understand. So, you know, the, the models that are used on in outside context might seem stupid to you because they don't fit in your context. But like, you know, uh, that's mm -hmm. that's something that I've I've found that I've seen. And James, you and I have discussed that a little bit about co how context matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. It depends, right? That's, that's yeah. the saying in physical therapy. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a reality check too, right? When you see something that to us, maybe not so like in, in your example, they're like viewing another podcast, because that's someone who's maybe an expert in their field and has a more advanced technique. But when you hear these things that just sound almost idiotic or too simple, or, you know, they, they have to know this, right? you realize how far along some, you know, some of you are and how advanced certain things may seem to someone who's just getting started, right? And then you realize, you know, it's like that saying, don't, don't miss the forest for the trees, right? The things that we're squabbling about and arguing about and so passionately like conversing about are the, the nuance. And it's about in physical therapy, improving quality of life, getting people moving because the population is sedentary. In bodybuilding, it's about, you know, trying to improve body composition and hypertrophy in general. And we know that hypertrophy is so forgiving. So it's like, step back a second, realize they're still making gains. They're still getting bigger. They're still getting better as a bodybuilder. So, oh, well, right. You're yeah. doing it their way. And I, I've said it before, but I, I'm, I've, I'm on this team. I said, I'm team, whatever I think is going to get me the most jacked. That's, that's kind of where I fall. But yeah. yeah. And, it's, and, and things like physical therapy and bodybuilding and muscle building, it's, it's not like, there's no like set in stone way to do it. So I think that's why there's a lot of um, narratives that come with things because a lot of times things just happen, <laughs> whether we did anything about it or not. And, and genetics play a role and everyone is so different. Everyone responds differently. So pain is very multifactorial. So a lot of things can help with pain. But if I do, uh, if I wave a magic wand over someone and they feel better, well, it must have been the magic wand. And if I uh, ate uh, white potatoes and, and, and tilapia and then took a bath in, in roasted mushrooms and I got lean, it must have been because of the, 
of what I did and not because of the six months of a caloric deficit and training it. So it's, it's one of those things where the, um, the outcomes kind of just happen sometimes without, with the, not, and not in response to what we do. So that kind of leaves the window open for these kind of narratives to just kind of catch on. And if they're sexy, if they are uh, attractive and, and people can kind of grasp onto them, man, they just take, take root and, and grow sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, got on a little bit of a tangent there, but let's, so we talked a lot, you know, physical therapy, bodybuilding, let's bring it back to you a little bit and your journey with those two aspects, right? So I think the, the question I posed in the beginning to you off air was how has physical therapy or your knowledge in the field of physical therapy impacted your bodybuilding career? And then I want to reverse that question. How has bodybuilding impacted your practice as a physical therapist? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I guess to start, because I was into bodybuilding and the magazines before PT school, I, I didn't realize the knowledge that I had already, the knowledge base of just anatomy that uh, until I went to school. And my classmates were asking like, you know, in study groups and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Like I have to memorize like where the lats are and like, what, what do the lats do again? Oh, they do this. And they have like some kind of acronym to remember like what the lats do or the pecs do. And I'm like, huh? Like, you don't know what the lats are, what they do. And you're just thinking about yourself doing a pull-up and oh yeah, that's what they do. (laughs) Yeah. Like, or like, I'm just thinking of like Kai Green's thigh and like you have every muscle (laughs) you could possibly think of like, and which way, like the, the fibers run. Yeah. When they're peeled, you know exactly which way. (laughs) So, uh, so bodybuilding definitely set my foundation in PT school. And I think going into physical therapy school, any information that I got, I always kind of put it through a filter of how can this help? How can I relate this to bodybuilding? How can I relate this to, to weightlifting or, or a weightlifter? Um, and, uh, and yeah, so right out of school, I think I was more of a, a, a mechanic. I felt like I wanted to um, fix people with my hands. I wanted to have all these diagnostic tests um, Mm -hmm. to, to kind of rule in and rule out different diagnoses, get to the specific tissue. That was the problem. And, and then fix it with my hands or with very specific, um, therapeutic exercises. And I just felt like I was going to take on the world. And I, I just couldn't wait for family members at, at, at parties to come up to me and ask me like, Hey, like my neck's been bothering me or my back's been bothering me, my knee's been bothering me. Like that thought of just like a line of my aunts and uncles and cousins at a family party that just made me so excited because I figured out by the end of school, I was going to have this like system where I was just fixing everybody. And then you come out of school and you realize you get a, you get a good mentor in the office and you, um, you know, kind of follow what they're doing and they're really experienced. So they kind of point you toward continuing education that you should do. And then you kind of just get more and more like that, that, that mentor, um, almost like the biggest guy in the gym. They just kind of follow what that person does and take whatever they say for gospel. Not that either one of those people was wrong. They're just trying to help and doing the best that they can. Um, so once, once you realize, okay, so the treatment for low back pain, hip pain, knee pain, uh, is pretty much just strengthening. <laughs> like we're doing clamshells for everyone. Like, shouldn't we be doing some kind of specific thing for like their back or like their knee? And then you realize like, huh, 
it's really just movement and gradual loading and and uh, and getting their mind right and educating them a bit about pain. Uh, so as as I kind of went through that process and learned more and more as as the research was kind of confirming my own original thoughts, um, it just became addicting, and I just wanted more and more of that kind of information. And then I kind of left the bro science of physical therapy and and kind of dove into the more evidence based side of it. And what's funny is now I hate it when people come up to me and say, oh, my neck hurts. Can you take a look at me? I'm like, gosh, like, I'm not going to look at your neck. I'm going to feel your skin. And I don't know, like, did you get a bad night's sleep? Like, are you having a stressed out week at work? And that's not what they want to hear. They want me to do uh, some kind of manipulation or something around on their neck to make them feel better. Anyway, um, so that was kind of my journey through physical therapy. And, and like I said, my, the bodybuilding was kind of happening at the same time, uh, very engulfed in that bro science, uh, that bro science mentality. And yeah, I just kind of realized like, it is everything I'm doing actually, does it actually matter? Like, do I really have to slam that post-workout shake? Like as soon as I finish my last rep, like, is that, is that really what's, what's doing this? Um, and then you come across, uh, I think Matt Ogus may have been my first, uh, he's maybe the one who, who pointed out 3DMJ to me. Um, and then 3DMJ, and then you just kind of go down that, uh, again, it's like that addiction, you just want more and more and more and more. And you realize like, these are my people, like they're speaking the language that I want to, that I want to learn from. Um, and yeah, so both of those paths were very parallel. And like I kind of said in the beginning, like they just, taught me to always keep an open mind, never stop learning. Um, and if you follow people that do that, then you can be pretty safe. Uh, I know I, I like to use uh, the example of who, who that you follow, who do you press the like button for before you read the post? <laughs> and that for me, I mean, Eric Helms, right? Anything, uh, anything that he puts out and, and, and the list goes on. I'll, I'll smash the like button, and then I'll read it afterwards because I just know what they put out I'm going to agree with. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, a uh, little bit of a tangent there. Um, mm -hmm. But what was, because I was a bodybuilder at the same time as I was going, going through kind of the physical therapy stuff, I was in the trenches of, of, um, of overanalyzing my movement, um, looking at my feet, looking at my the torsions of my, my tibias, looking at how things were tracking. And, um, I, uh, gosh, like half hour warmups of foam rolling and mobility work, uh, and, and, and just getting, um, feeling very restricted and very limited and very fragile, um, mm -hmm. with those kind of things. And so I know what that feels like. And that's why, um, you know, like, like you said before, this, this information uh, overload um, and not not misinformation, but just just too much information that that aren't the big rocks. Yeah, it may not be the end of the world, but what it's doing, what it's doing is it's creating this this fragility in people. It's making people feel like they are in need of something, like they can't help themselves, and that they need um, they're very dependent on 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 others to, to, to move and to do what they love to do. And that is why I think we exist. I think we want to stop that from happening. Um, 
especially because I know what it's like. I know what that feels like um, to kind of obsess over those things. And I also know what it feels like to be free of that and mm-hmm. um, not think that I'm going to get hurt if I don't foam roll for a half hour before I work out. Um, and it's just very freeing. And I think that's mm-hmm. the power of knowledge, right? That's the power of, of education is it can, it can impact your life. And something like this in, in knowledge of, of the body, knowledge of pain, what pain is, what pain isn't, injury risk, um, things we can do to minimize injury risk. All of these things are, um, can really, really be empowering for people if, um, if they just kind of are exposed to that kind of information. So that's, kind of, that's, that's definitely why I exist to try to help people in that aspect. I love that. And, and you see those exact same things that you're talking about in the bodybuilding world too. And I'm sure you're aware of it, right? Like an article comes out or a top coach slash researcher makes a statement and says, if you do this exercise variation in this specific way, there's a potential that you'll get 4% better, better hypertrophy in an advanced training, right? So that statement goes to, you have to do this exercise this way. And then it's like, if you don't do this exercise this way, you'll lose muscle. And then it just keeps distilling down and down to where now people are afraid, you know, do I, if I don't have the right equipment, I can't make gains. Or um, for the people that follow my, my feed, I posted a, a screenshot of a photo from a very concerned individual that was worried about moving gyms using the same style of equipment, but a different brand, would they lose muscle mass? I mean, to me, that's, that's crazy, right? But to them, that's a very real fear and concern because of all this information that's being told, you know, you can't do this exercise. This doesn't train this. You have to do this. When big picture, it's like, just go in, repeat it, try and progress it, add a little volume, add a little load. You know, like you said, the big rocks, that's what you need to be focusing on, at least at the early, I'm going to say early, but that early stage in natural bodybuilding is what, 10, 15 years. Yeah. And that, that's really great. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I remember I sent you in our, in our private messaging, uh, a message that I got and it was very disheartening. Um, young, young lifter early in his career, getting ready for his first competition and just asking me about, uh, how an MRI showed a herniated disc and he doesn't, he hasn't, uh, hip hinged or squatted in six months because he doesn't want to pop the disc out more than it is and cause nerve damage. And, and he's so young and he wants to be able to, you know, play with his kids someday. And, and he, he said how he kind of got information from, um, from uh, this person said this, and this person said that, and this reputable resource said this, and this reputable, reputable resource said that. And not that those resources are wrong, but man, like, this athlete just needed some reassurance and some education first. And then once we uh, have a bit of an understanding of, of what a herniated disc actually is and, and what pain actually is and, and simple things we can do to try to mo- like modify those things until we have that in place, until, until this athlete knows that his back is not going to explode if he bends over to tie his shoe no amount of information is going to help him. If anything, it's going to hurt him because we're building on an unsteady foundation. And that is very similar. Like you said, all these nuances that just get, get thrown out um, because they're new sexy headlines or something like they are doing that damage because we're, we're not, we're not sending that message of that, of building that foundation first 
and then dabbling in, in some of those things if you want. Um, kind of like uh, the, I made that muscle length video for 3DMJ, kind of things to consider about training at longer muscle lengths. Five minute video, just bring some research to the surface. But at the end, two minutes of the video, uh, I made sure uh, to mention like, hey, look, all that being said, don't sweat it. <laughs> like if you can't get into a, a position like that, don't worry about it. If you have pain or you don't have the, the proper equipment to do a seated hamstring curl, it's not like you're not going to gain uh, hamstring, uh, hamstring uh, growth. Um, mm -hmm. So, but, but I think too many times it doesn't happen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, plenty of examples like that. And it's, it's sad, but again, that's, that's why we exist. Like that's why I exist to try to help, help people that are, are confused, but don't know they're confused. And all they really need is some reassurance and guidance, and it could be life-changing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's no longer the, um, what exercise do I need to do? It's, <laughs> let's break down the like 18 components that could be possibly impacting this and determine which ones that we can actually adjust and which ones we have to just accept as this is, these are your circumstances. Um, right. and, and both sides of things, physical therapy and bodybuilding. Right, because what what may be an optimal or ideal for one person could be the opposite, detrimental for the next person. Train on the for, context. Yeah. yeah, Dan, like like you said, the context of someone's life, right? Like the way Dan does things and the way I do things, <laughs> very different, very very different. Um, but we both make progress, right? And we don't hate each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, absolutely. I think. Um, that's, uh, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, uh, it'll come to me. We'll just, we'll ramble until then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fill it in there. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, what we didn't do, cause we got into some fantastic information there. I loved it. I think this is going to be a really good episode for a lot of people. Um, let's cover a little bit on your actual competitive background. You hinted that you were judging at the Mr. America, right? So that's, I mean, you're obviously a somebody in bodybuilding. Let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so started competing in 2013. Um, didn't know much about it. Uh, I was one of the leanest uh, people in the gym I was going to. So I said, what the heck? Like, I'll talk to the biggest guy in the gym who also competed and get my feet wet and see what's what. Um, and uh, it was awesome. Like looking back, it was just, I, I, I was, uh, my upper body didn't look bad. My lower body just needed like four more months of dieting. Um, but the process was awesome. Like I was, I was posing, practicing posing with different guys at the gym who had, who had competed before. Uh, it was such a new world to me that I was just taking everything in. And if they said eat pancakes and syrup the morning of, I was like, okay, like that's going to make me like, this is going to do the trick right here. Um, so looking back, like it was, it was, it was silly, but it was also like, awesome. Like, when are we ever going to do that again? Right. Like make those kind of mistakes and just like kind of dive in. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, so started competing in 2013. Um, actually my first show was, um, uh, DFAC and it was a show, in New a local show in New Jersey. I went there the night before to, uh, to polygraph and I was in the hallway with, um, a couple guys and I started talking to this older uh competitor next to me one of the nicest guys i've ever talked to really humble very like um 
I had no idea if he had competed before, if he was advanced or not. We were just talking as we, as we were waiting in line, talking backstage at the show. Um, and during the uh, intermission between the uh, pre-judging and night show, I met my family, like uh, just talking a little bit. And he was like, man, like you look great up there. And he was giving me some tips. And anyway, it turns out that was Marshall Johnson. Um, so it, it only occurred to me like two years after that, when I realized who Marshall Johnson was, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's, my, that's the guy that I met at my show. Um, and I almost, I almost, uh, I almost killed Marshall Johnson because my brother was spraying me with Pam backstage and we got the floor all slippery and Marshall Johnson walked by and he slipped, <laughs> caught himself though. Uh, so, uh, funny story. I met him at my first show and I almost, uh, almost caused him to fall backstage. Um, so then after, after 2013, I was about 165 pounds on stage, um, realized I had to get leaner. So took the next, like just couple years, just slowly dieting down, dieting down, dieting down, competing, 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 trying to like chase that pro card, trying to, uh, chase striated glutes. Once I got exposed to what striated glutes were, um, and uh, probably dieted way too much. Uh, my last competition, I stepped on stage about 129 pounds and I'm like 5'8". So I was extremely just depleted at that point. Um, was not taking an intelligent approach to my bodybuilding career. I was just set on that pro card, set on that, on that uh, level of conditioning. Um, managed to, to get a pro card in the NGA in 2016 and um, a pro card in the PNBA in uh, 2018. Um, that being said, the thing about pro cards, as you guys know, or placings in a competition, <laughs> it all depends on who's there, right? So it sounds real great that I have two pro cards and it sounds great. Uh, also my, my pro debut, uh, I'm doing air quotes if you're not watching the YouTube, um, my pro debut in the NGA, I won. Uh, however, there was only one other competitor. <laughs> so like, I, 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 yes, I have my, my, my pro cards and I'm very proud of that. However, I understand what that means and what it doesn't mean. And I know that there are people out there that would smoke me that don't have their pro card. Um, so it's not something I, I, um, I, I know the limitations of it, right? It all, it all matters who shows up next to you on stage that day. And you could, you could bring your best physique. So when it comes to your placing in the competition, you could bring your best physique to the stage and get fifth place, or you could bring not your greatest physique, but get first place because of who shows up. Um, so, yeah, right, so you got to take the placing like with a grain of salt. Um, and I, I, that was actually one of the um, harder transitions I had to make as I matured in the sport. Um I was so set on like the placing, right? Like, gosh, like analyzing pictures afterwards, like that guy, like I had better this or I had better that or, and it's just like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't serving me. Um, so once I, I made the switch to, um, to just trying to better myself and bring my best package to the stage and whoever comes, it's like the weather. We can't, we can't, uh, can't uh, impact that. So that made bodybuilding much more enjoyable for me. Um, so yeah, like I said, I kind of just really depleted myself throughout my competitive season. Um, after 2018, I was going to take some time off um, and just kind of rebuild myself back up. 
and uh, had two baby girls uh, from 2018 until uh, 2021 and COVID. So I wasn't about to compete uh, with, uh, with the newborns. And then when COVID hit, 2020 was out of the picture. 2021 was no better. <laughs> uh, so then 2022 came around and my girls are um, sleeping a bit better. <laughs> uh, I've been training at home. So I've been training in my basement with um, I limited equipment, but I have everything I need, you know, with a little bit of imagination and some experience, I, I get everything I need to get done. Love training at home. Um, keeps me with the family a bit more. Um, I can kind of go down first thing in the morning, do my thing, head on upstairs if one of the girls is up or my wife needs help or something. So been training in my basement. Um, so girls are getting a bit older. Sleeping is getting somewhat better. Um, so I decided to compete in 2022. Uh, so I'm working with Jeff Alberts uh, with 3DMJ, obviously. And I've never had a coach before, let alone one of the most sought after coaches uh, around. So really, really fortunate and grateful to have Jeff in my corner and already like just having a few meetings with him and analyzing my macros and, and just some blind spots, right? Like I work with 3DMJ, right? So you would think that uh, I have the knowledge base, but sometimes when it's ourself, we don't realize our blind spots and we don't realize that maybe we aren't implementing certain things that we would tell other people to do in our own um, diet and, and training. So Jeff has been just a, a um, such a guiding light so far, and I'm really, really looking forward to working with him for the rest of the year. Um, so we're looking at um, first show to be the mayhem in July. And then uh, there's an NGA show in September. I'd like to compete in the NGA because I do have my pro card with them. And then I'm looking at the Mr. America uh, in October. Uh, so unfortunately, awesome. I, unfortunately, I won't be able to be a judge at that one because I'll be on stage. But it's a long season, man, July to October. But uh, mm -hmm. but we'll see. With, with Jeff, with Jeff helped me out, and um, you know the great support system that that is 3DMJ. Um, you know I'm confident that we're gonna make it happen this year, and I'm gonna just bring the best that I could. And then um, yeah, just look forward to a good good off season, better than I've done in the past. Um, yeah. Really looking forward to, uh, to getting back up there. Awesome. Yeah. We're excited. We're excited to watch it. We're excited to watch and follow it. Uh, so that, that should be fun. A couple opportunities to see you there. So um, as we wrap this up, we always want to give credit to you and all that you're affiliated with. So for the people that want to find out more about you, um, whether it's clinic work, physical therapy, mentoring, coaching, what have you, what kind of, what kind of platforms can they reach out through? Yeah. So, um, Instagram is probably the best way, uh, at, at Nick Licamelli, uh, 3d muscle as well as a good place to find a lot of my work. I also work with the BFR pros. Uh, so Dr. Nick Rolnick, um, we've kind of, I've spoken internationally on BFR, participated in some research. We have two, three studies coming out in 2022 that I'm a co-author on. Um, so that's another kind of thing that I'm pretty passionate about is, is BFR. Again, um, like we said before, not, not that I'm uh, uh, getting too wrapped up in a modality, um, but it, it's, it's just bringing the modality to the surface and, and teaching how it can be integrated in a proper plan of care. Um, who it's useful for, who it's not useful for. Um, so always keeping that in mind, if we're ever going to research or educate on a certain modality, just remember its limitations. And at the end of the day, it's just a sprinkle on top of a, 
of a, of a Sunday. I'm using ice cream already as metaphors and I'm right in the beginning of my prep. This is not a good sign, guys. This is not a good no. sign. I like um, ice cream now. I'm deep in off season. So, <laughs> um, so those places are, are good to find me. Uh, my email is nick at strengthtogetheronline.com. Strength Together uh, is my, my business that I do my online consulting with. And if anyone is in the New Jersey area, I also am the director of a, a physical uh, and, and occupational therapy uh, outpatient clinic uh, in New Jersey. There we go. Awesome. There awesome. We go. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, it's been great. It's been great chatting with you. I think this was super insightful and in a lot of different topics, you know, uh, really across the board there. So I'm hoping people enjoyed this episode. If you did, please give it a like, subscribe, follow, share, all the other buttons that help us kind of spread the word of natural bodybuilding. And if you are not already a member of the member site, please do so. That is our way of one, again, spreading the word of natural bodybuilding, but in the future, our way of giving back to the athletes and the coaches financially, right? That is, uh, that is our springboard to get the money in the sport. So become a member, please. Thank you, Nick. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you for all you do.